welcome everybody to all of our campuses, many throughout the Twin Cities today in a snowstorm. Some of you are in shorts. I love that. Zero degree weather. It's only in Minnesota. So way to go. You made it here and it's a great day to be in church. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online around the country and world. You are a part of our congregation. So welcome to you as well. Uh, we are in a series called Holy Wow. But before we begin my talk here, just a brief talk, uh, I just have to get something off my chest. I just do. Aren't you glad there's more to life than the Super Bowl? I mean, what a disappointment. Even the commercials were bad. Everything about this weekend was bad as far as football goes. In fact, here, here's what happens when your biggest wow in life is football and your team loses. This is what happens when that's all you got going is football and your team goes down the drain. A couple more here. This is the Steelers. I'm a Steelers fan a little bit, my past. Chicago Bears. Remember the double bonk? That was wonderful. And then we saw a couple of uh, Vikings uh, photographs here. In fact, we found more Vikings meltdowns than anybody. Finally, finally, here we go. I mean, that's just the way it is. If that's all you got going is football, good luck. <laughs> but last weekend in our church, this was incredible. Last weekend, 431 more people put their trust in Christ and started on the path of following Jesus. Over 300 adults prayed a prayer to receive Jesus Christ last weekend. That is a wow to me. That is the biggest wow on the planet. And today, several hundred of you, yeah, go ahead and applaud that. Love that. And today, several hundred of you are going to be baptized, and that wows me every single time. So proud of those of you who've signed up, and others of you are going to join in, I'm sure of it. Today is the day many of you are going to bury the old life of sin and start a new life of purpose and freedom. Today is the Super Bowl for you. So glad. It's not surprising that water has deep spiritual meaning throughout the Bible. In fact, David, the psalmist, wrote this, wash away all my iniquity, God, and cleanse me. Cleanse me from my sin. Paul wrote these words, once you, we, me included, were sinners, but now you've been washed and sanctified in the name of Jesus. And then John wrote these words, very end of the Bible, let the thirsty ones come and drink the water of life. Jesus was called the living water that never runs dry. Water is essential for our life. We can live 70 days without food. Some of you thought, wow, I thought it was just seven minutes. No, 70 days. You can live 70 days without food, but only 14 days without water. Water sustains us, which is why the Bible uses it as a spiritual symbol that we can be washed and cleansed from our sin, and that's going to happen across all of our campuses today in a big way. A few, years ago, a few years ago, I drove my dirty old Ford Explorer into a car wash for the works, the works car wash, but it had a sunroof that was a little finicky, and that someone didn't close right that day because when the works unleashed its flurry, a steady stream of water and detergent poured right on top of my wife's head, who was sitting next to me. For some reason, my side was fine, but hers was like a running faucet, flattened out her hair and you know, soaked her through her sweater, blue jeans, everything was wet. So in a panic, I tried to close it, but it went the wrong way, which, which is when my wife said, she said, what is wrong with you? I'm getting soaked over here. 
and I didn't say it, but I thought, you know, maybe she needs a little baptism. Maybe needs to get wet. So we got home, we walked through the doorway, and my son was sitting there, and he smiled and, and said, what happened to you? And I laughed, and I said, she got the works, which made my son laugh, which is when I got the works. But it was so worth it. It was just a wonderful moment. Romans 3.23. All of us, including me, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and standard. All of us have done things and said things that have been hurtful and sinful, which means all of us need the works. We need to be cleansed. But today I want to talk to you about actual baptism. I especially want to talk to those of you uh, who've accepted Christ into your life as your Savior, but for some reason have not been baptized. Those of you who've said yes to salvation but have taken a pass on baptism, three re reasons why I think you should be baptized today if you haven't been. First, it starts the process of obedience. It really does. Toward the end of Jesus' ministry, he's about to leave earth some of the last words that Jesus said to his followers, his disciples, he says, look, now go and make other disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them. First thing you ought to do when someone becomes a disciple, a follower, is to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus says that when someone puts their faith in him, the first act of obedience is baptism. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It's the first act of obedience for every believer. I think there's more than a few of us, probably, who've prayed a prayer of salvation. We've put our trust in Christ, but then we find that something is still not right in our life. You know, you're saved and forgiven. You'll go to heaven when you die someday, but you keep stumbling over the same problems that kind of mess up your life. And one of the reasons some of us keep stumbling and struggle to be obedient in certain areas in our life is we haven't been obedient in the first area of baptism. Jesus said, look, go and be baptized. It's as clear as day, so I just want to ask all of you, have you done that? Not as an infant. That was a decision that your parents made for you. Have you made the decision for yourself to be baptized as the first act of obedience because here's what I believe is true. If we are unwilling to be obedient in the basic areas of faith, we will struggle to be obedient in other areas of faith. Several years ago, my daughter and son-in-law lived in, on the island of Dominica, not the Dominican Republic. The island of Dominica, you've never heard of it because you don't want to go there. Uh, it's kind of a tough place, a dirty place, very dangerous place, actually. And several uh, days during the week, Meg would call home. And oftentimes, she would be crying, just homesick, really hard two years. So she called one day, and I said, Meg, how's, how's Nelly doing? And she said, oh, he's fine. He's over at school practicing his cutting. And I thought, well, that, that's creepy. But then I thought, how, how else does a doctor learn how to make incisions? You know, here's my son-in-law 3,000 miles away from home, holed up in a dingy, kind of uh, sterile uh, 
you know, lab making hundreds of cuts on dead bodies, practicing and obeying in the small areas so that 10 years later, when someone needs a real surgery, all of that obedience, all that practice will help you make the perfect cut when it really matters in somebody's life. You know, sometimes people will come up for a prayer with a history of poor choices. And you can tell they're just hurting and they're desperate for a, a quick fix. And what we try to lovingly say to them is, look, it took a long time for you to get into this difficult place in life. It's gonna take some time to get out of it, so start today. Start obeying God in the first things and eventually you'll begin to gain victory over other things in your life. Gang, baptism is the first step of obedience in a believer's life where freedom from the old life begins. Some of you, though, might be sitting here saying, wondering to yourself, but Bob, what if I was baptized as a baby? Well, infant baptism is a lot like our child dedication, and parents bring their child before God and before all of us for prayer and protection, and God honors that. It's a great thing. Every parent ought to do that. But gang, you ought to know that there's not a single reference in the Bible where a baby was baptized, not a single one. Every time baptism is mentioned in the Bible, it comes after repentance. And so in Acts chapter two, it says this, when the people heard Peter's message, they were cut to to the heart. They were convicted of their sin. And they said, Peter, what should we do? And Peter said, repent first. Repent of your sins. Repentance means you're walking this way in life and and you kind of have this life of sin. Repentance means do a 180 turn and walk the other way toward Christ and toward new life. Peter says, look, repent first and then be baptized. Every single one of you. The biblical pattern is to come to faith first, turn from sin first, and then be baptized, which is why we don't practice infant baptism in this church. The Bible says when you make a decision to follow Christ, then you should be baptized as a celebration of your new faith. The other thing about infant baptism, when churches baptize infants, there's kind of an inference often made that that child is now saved from their sin. But again, there's not a single verse in the Bible that supports that. It's actually a very dangerous theology, if I can say it that way. The Bible says that salvation comes to those who put their faith in Jesus. Now, if a baby would die, obviously, God in his mercy would would take that child to heaven. But the Bible says salvation comes to those who put their faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you are saved through faith, not your parents' faith, not your pastor or priest's faith, but your faith. So if you've been banking on your infant baptism, if you were baptized as a baby as your ticket to heaven, you might be in trouble because the Bible says salvation comes to those who put their faith in Jesus. John three sixteen. God so loved this world. God so loves each one of us that he gave his only son that whoever what? Whoever believes in Jesus, not just simply I believe he exists, but puts their trust in Jesus as their Savior will have 
eternal life. Believe in Jesus first, then be baptized as an act of obedience to our Lord. Second reason we ought to be baptized as believers is baptism often leads to a spiritual breakthrough in your life. I can tell you that God always does something powerful in a person's life when they get baptized. People often will say to us, my my life began to change for the better after I got baptized. Now, they still make mistakes. We all do. But when someone goes public with their faith, they break through a spiritual barrier that was holding them back. For example, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus came to John the Baptist and asked John to baptize him. And John was a little reluctant about that. But Jesus said, no, I, I want you to baptize me as an example. And it says, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending and settling on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit descended on him, and that event launched his public ministry. When we are baptized... It can launch you into greater things in life. When you get baptized, God says, that's my boy. That's my girl. I'm going to do something amazing in his or her life now. So if your life seems stalled out and spiritually stuck, baptism can be your breakthrough because God, I'm telling you, always honors those who take a public stand for their faith. Final reason, if you haven't been baptized as a believer, is baptism declares your identity with Jesus Christ. Again, baptism doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus saves, but baptism is a declaration that your number one identity is that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus, and you don't care who's watching because you are putting a stake in the ground saying to your family and friends and whoever else that your main identity is not that you're a business person, not that you're an athlete, not that you're a student, not even that you're a pastor, but that your main identity is that you are a follower of Christ. First and foremost, that's who you are. By the way, the Greek word baptism is baptizo, and it means to immerse, to submerge, And the symbolism is very powerful, the symbolism. When we go down into the water, it's a symbol that we are burying our old life of sin. And when we rise up, it's like Jesus rising from the dead into a new life. Romans 6 says it this way. He says, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death for our old life has died and was buried with Christ By baptism, love this. But just as Christ was raised from the dead, we also can live new lives. When we get baptized, we identify ourselves with Jesus, who when he died, put sin to death and buried it in a watery grave. The verse goes on to say, so that sin might, I love this, sin might lose its power in our lives. Anybody struggling with some sort of addiction, some some sort of sin or painful memory or painful past, and it just haunts you, 
and it's got a grip on your soul and on your spirit, creating anxiety and fear. This verse says, look, so that sin might lose its power in your life. You can be free of that today. Bury the old life of sin. Be raised into new life. One of the questions, though, sometimes people ask is, but Bob, can't I get into heaven without being baptized? And the answer is yes. You can get into heaven without being baptized because you're saved by faith. But I have a concern about that question. Essentially, what that question is kind of saying is, look, Jesus, I understand you paid for my sins on a cross. I understand you endured a brutal death and public humiliation to buy my freedom from sin. You've given me the assurance of eternal life in heaven when I die. So Jesus, I will take your sacrifice as my pass to heaven. But when it comes to the very first thing you ask me to do as your follower, to obey you in baptism, I think I'll pass. I don't think any of us want to stand before Jesus Christ one day, and we all will, and say to him, man, thanks for saving me. But when it came to obeying you, I just, you know, just didn't want to do it. Um, you know, for others, you're willing to take this step but the conversation goes something like this. My parents wouldn't approve. My grandparents wouldn't understand, and I get that. You know, some of you come out of Catholic backgrounds or Lutheran or Presbyterian or whatever else, you know, whatever, and that's great. And I get it. You want to be sensitive to your family's wishes. There's a place for that, but I want you to see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. If anyone acknowledges me, be, acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. What a glorious thing. But he says, if anyone is ashamed of me or denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. Gang, it means that you and I have to decide whose approval we want. Do we want God's approval? Or are we living for the approval of other people? Who ultimately are, are you going to trust? Are you going to follow and be devoted to? Because baptism is about your obedience. It's about your life, not your parents' or pastor's life. Baptism is your declaration that Jesus Christ is number one in my life. And I'm not embarrassed about that. I need to take a stand, even if some of my family members don't understand. You know, every summer we hold a, an outdoor baptism for several hundred people, so to reschedule them is a nightmare, and so we try to make it happen, even if the weather is iffy. And on this particular baptism that I'm going to tell you about, the weather was really, really sketchy. There were thunderstorms in the area, but we decided to go ahead with it. There were a thousand people waiting on shore, ready to be baptized by a dozen of our pastors who were waist deep in water when it started to rain. And then the clouds, you know, formed and the sky darkened, the wind blew, white caps formed on the lake. The rain turned to hail. When I saw the third lightning strike, I actually, no kidding, I actually looked down the row of our pastors and tried to determine, you know, if anybody was expendable. 
and almost nobody was. It would have been pretty much a wipeout that day. And one of them was going like this to me, you know, call this thing off. But I looked at the people standing on the shore, getting pelted by hail, they were shivering, lightning bolts, and they wanted to be baptized, every single one of them. So I thought to myself, if these people are willing to risk their lives, I'm willing to risk a few of our pastor's lives. I'm just, I just am. So one after another, through the hail and lightning, those people risked everything to be baptized that day. All we're asking some of you to do is step into a hot tub. I mean, you can do this. If you are a believer in Christ, declare that once and for all that Jesus is Lord, get a new start, bury the old life, rise up to a new life and a new beginning. This is your day. And I know we all come from different places in life. Some of you have been believers for a long time and you've heard us talk about baptism and you're kind of on the fence. If I could be the voice of God, take that step. Not for me, do it for you. Do it in honor of the, of the Savior who loves you and died to redeem your life. Some of you are new believers. You, you accepted Christ and gained forgiveness last weekend. In the Bible, often people would come to faith that very day they were baptized. And so if you prayed that prayer last week or just recently, I just urge you, to take that step. But before we get started with our baptism time, I want you to hear Kimberly's story. Just let this touch your heart. See what God has for you. Dear Mom, I can't shut my eyes tight enough. I can't stop the tears from falling down my face. I call out and no one will listen. The drunk driving, all the lies, the times you pass out, the slurred words, the things you forget. You're going to have to choose what is more important to you, the alcohol or me. If you won't see how you're hurting yourself, I want you to see how you're hurting me. The day the tears stop falling and the pain goes away will be the day where this problem is gone or the day when I've given up. Please, I'm begging you, let it be the day the problem is gone. With so much love and hope for the future, your daughter, Kimberly. August 30th, 2009. <laughs> Growing up, my house was traumatic. Um, my house was not a home. My house was hell. My parents were divorced when I was two, and I lived in the house with my mom and my older brother. My mom had an addiction issue with alcohol um, my entire childhood. And as a young kid, it was consuming. It really took everything out of me. I was sad, and I was mad, and I exhausted myself with those emotions day in and day out. My mom's addiction blocked me from having a relationship with God, period. 
except for at the lowest, lowest, lowest moments where I was so desperate that I just needed to look up um, to a God that I guess I didn't believe in and just pray and say, help her and, and I will literally do anything. The older I got, the more I realized this was never gonna get better. And I never said never, but I was at, you know, a point zero 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 one percent chance that this would ever turn around. So I go to college. I was 17 years old, and she sat my brother and I down, and she told us that she was going to get sober. She got invited to a new church, and that's when she started attending Eagle Brook and the Quest 180 recovery program. I was invited to her medallion night to celebrate six months of sobriety and was able to give her her six-month medallion, and it was three days before my 18th birthday, and it was the ultimate gift I've ever been given. My mom becoming sober could not be explained by anything except for something bigger and greater. There was no way that I could stand there and say that that was her, that that was me. It had to have been something else. There was no way that I could stand there in, in that moment and deny that there was somebody watching over. So that I think opened, creaked open a door a little bit to get me to start a relationship with God. So my mom was continuing on in her sobriety and doing really well and going to church and I still had a whole bunch of problems and it turns out that her sobriety was not the only thing um, standing in my way of living a great life. It occurred to me that 10 years ago, I was sitting there praying to a God that I didn't believe in that if he helped my mom, I would do anything. But I didn't do anything when she got better. So I was like, Kimberly, you better live up to your word and you gotta start doing something. I started taking the signs that God was giving me and I started having conversations with the people that he sent into my life. First of all, I found that this whole time I wasn't alone. I found that God had been waiting for me. I found that I had a whole new life to walk into whenever I was ready. So last February, I sat in the indoor baptism service and, you know, I'd actually walked in expecting a normal service. And when I saw it was a baptism service, I was a little taken aback, like, oh, you know, I was ready for a great message, but I guess I'll watch people get baptized. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know what I was in for, but I was like, oh, hopefully it doesn't go too long. Um, so I'm sitting there and everyone starts to get baptized and 
something completely took over me and tears flooded my eyes. Um, and I just watched people's lives change. And one person gets baptized, the next, the next, and the music is playing. And I left feeling God was calling me to really start my journey there at that moment. And I left telling myself that I was gonna dedicate the next year to, to growing in my relationship with God. And so that by the next February, I would be ready to be baptized. In the past year, God has helped me to walk with purpose and faith. He's shown up through my friends and my family. Um, he's shown up every service at church, um, and one service in particular in September where I accepted him fully in my heart. And since then, um, I think he's just been preparing me for this day, um, a day I've been looking forward to and been so excited about. You know, I've waited for a lot of things for other people. So I feel like this one is like for me. <laughs> yeah, this one's for me. And you know, it didn't lack work. It didn't come easy. It took a long time, but for this, it's for me. So that's been super exciting <laughs> um, and super meaningful. You know, I think for the beginning portion of my life, it was like dragging on and I thought it would never end. And now I'm so excited to have this relationship forever and get to know him more and to, to continue to unpack what he has in store for me here. I feel like I've been chosen to be on this journey with him. Um, and I have the whole rest of my life to see how it's gonna play out with him like by my side. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> uh, this is Kimberly. <laughs> And Kimberly is so proud of you. And uh, what God has done in your life is not something that um, anybody could have predicted or seen coming. But God is good. Yes, sir. And he's good all the time. Mm -hmm. Isn't he? Yeah. Who's standing here next to you? I'm with my best friend, Star, who has been with me through so much. Um, of my life and has been preparing with me for this past year to get baptized. She's been my little piece of God on earth through everything. So we're so excited to be here. So this is your day, Kimberly and Star. And I'm glad that God uh, brought you together as friends. And now you get to be baptized together as his children and as friends, hopefully forever. But have you both received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And so it's with great joy that John and I uh, baptize you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Hey. Yay! Yay! Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Great day for both of you. God bless you guys. Yeah.